0: Last week, I began a two part series called The Sower, uh, knowing that there are two things that God really wanted me to share with you guys about this idea of, of sowing. Uh, we have been reading through the Bible in two years, many of us, uh, through a program called Mission 119. I think it's in the news sheet, uh, but it's mission119.org. You can do an app on your phone. But basically, there's a Bible reading every day, a 10-minute reading, and then there's a 10-minute commentary by an amazing pastor who's also someone that I know, and he does a very nice job. Uh, so we're reading through the Bible, we're 23% complete. Isn't that awesome? So we are in the latter half of Acts, and we, are, we have read First and Second Thessalonians this past week, and we're going to be jumping into Joshua by the end of this coming week. So this week will be week 23, so if you want to jump in tomorrow... We're starting up with Joshua soon and and you can do that, uh, or whatever. Um, But we have been kind of talking about this idea of being a sower, and this is one of my favorite paintings. I'll talk about this again, uh, but I shared this painting with you last week, just an amazing depiction of someone sowing seeds in a field uh, by Van Gogh. So two stories this morning about planting and sowing, uh, tending and reaping, you know, these kind of agrarian images which are often used in the Bible and often lost on us. But often people in Greenwich get this stuff because they have lots of farms out there, right? But uh, two stories about planting, sowing, and tending, and reaping. So we used to have a community garden here at New Life Fellowship. Did you know that? Some of you have said recently to me, we should have a community garden. I said, yeah, we did have one. (laughs) It was there. It was started by some people who tended the garden for a while, and then they sort of stopped tending it, and then other people came and tended it, And then when those people stopped tending it, there was no clear understanding of who was tending it. And uh, the garden became overgrown and eventually it disappeared. It wasn't really a matter of the garden not being fruitful or vegful because there was not any fruit in it. It was vegful. (laughs) That's a good word. Uh, There was in fact lots of vegetables in the garden, Uh, but because they were not harvested, they became too big and started tasting bad because they were too big. You have like a squash that could feed a family of 12 you know for a month but it's disgusting tasting um, or they sat there got too big and then rotted on the ground and became overgrown with weeds so once the garden stopped being inspected walked around and cultivated that was kind of the beginning of the end for that community garden i'm not saying it couldn't come back christianity is all about people coming back think about it like jesus right <laughs> but uh it's 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 gone that was the beginning of the end for that garden uh and this really weird thing happened where one day i came into the office and there was a fence and there was a garden there and the next day i came into the office and the fence was gone and the garden was gone and i still don't know where the garden went <laughs> but that someone mysteriously removed the fence and it just became a, a piece of land once again so another story uh we, had, we have a lot of church picnics here. We like to eat here, apparently. And we have them over here on the side of the building. And, and several years ago, we had built this playground outside, and we'd done some excavation. There was a big pile of dirt uh, sitting next to it. And uh, we, we built this playground. We had, we had a lot of picnics and things. One day, I was walking back there, and I looked on the dirt pile, and there was a watermelon growing out of the dirt pile. It was so cool. <laughs> and undoubtedly, some, some kid had spit watermelon seeds over there. And without anyone knowing it, without anyone tending it, these water, this watermelon grew. And I brought that watermelon home to our old apartment on East Avenue, and I cut it open. And it wasn't half bad. Um, actually, it was half bad. Because it was mostly rind. There was like rind, 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 and then there was like a chunk of watermelon in the middle. It's kind of a weird thing. And again, again, a lot more rind than you would expect from a normal watermelon. But nonetheless, a watermelon grew out of a dirt pile without anyone attending to it. I share these two stories to say, seeds are always being sown and growing all the time. Whether you tend to them or you don't. It's happening all the time. And if we're talking about investing our lives, which is what what the Bible talks about with planting seeds. You know, we are always, whether we know it or not, whether we want to think about it or not, we're always investing and making choices and and planting things. And things are growing around you. They are. Your relationships, your ministries, uh, your parenting, uh, your job, whatever it might be, things are growing around you. People are being influenced by you. Uh, it's, It's amazing to think about how seeds grow, whether we mean, mean them to or not. And I think that uh, as we are talking about this idea of sowing our lives and tending our gardens, I think, it's, I think this is all about us raising our awareness of what we are actually doing when it comes to the investment of our lives. What's actually happening around us? To notice and begin to cultivate things that are growing, that are good things, uh, things that we planted, planted intentionally, and also things that we notice are, are planted and growing that we didn't actually plant intentionally, like that water, rogue watermelon. So the key key thoughts here are intentionality and awareness. God wants us to be intentional about how we invest our lives. Um, he wants us to stay on our toes in awareness of things that could be growing that we are not aware of. And it's all about us partnering with God in this venture of investing our lives so last week we discussed the idea of being a sower uh, someone who plants seeds god gives us seeds god gives us wisdom in, in order to have, how to how to water them in our lives and then we wait on god to see how they will grow last week we talked about this big area of the human heart our, our riches our finances our wealth And and we we covered that because that's obviously a huge topic for for everybody. It's a huge part of our lives. And this week, we're talking about everything else, Uh, literally 100% of our lives. How are they being sown, invested, and how are they being cultivated? So last week, we read from 1 Corinthians 3, 1 to 23, where Paul is talking about various people who have been a part of uh, gospel. And and he's sharing this as a rebuke to people who Is a cult of personality where some people say, I follow Apollos, not Paul. Some people say, I follow Paul, not Apollos. And Paul uses this opportunity to share about what it's really all about. So he says, what after all is Apollos and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe. In other words, don't play favorites with people. They're just servants. They're just people sowing seeds. As the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed. Again, this is intentional, hard work. Paul planted the seeds. Apollos watered the seeds. Again, that's hard, intentional work that someone has has to do. But God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. By the grace of God, God's given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. So let me ask you this. Have you ever really thought about yourself as being someone who sows or waters seeds in your life? As this metaphor goes. Have you thought about the investments you've made And how you can cultivate them to make them grow uh, better. Have you considered that God has called you into a partnership to make disciples around you? To be a disciple and to make disciples? That's the reality. It's It's a divine partnership with God where he, the God of the universe who could do everything himself if he so chose, chooses to use people to disciple each other, to help them grow, to plant seeds, to cultivate seeds in each other's lives, and to grow his kingdom. That's the perspective God's calling us to take with passages like this. Some people plant, some people water. It's hard work. It's intentional work. God makes it grow. It's a partnership. This picture uh, by Van Gogh again is very powerful to me because it illustrates uh, this picture. Here's, Here's a A person sowing seed, Uh, probably in the morning, you see the sun rising or setting. You see birds that could possibly be attacking that seed. Um, He's sowing. He's got to keep track of, you know, how hot it gets, how much or a little rain comes. And when there's not enough rain, he has to manually go and water those seeds. This is what a farmer does. And their livelihood depends on it. And we know... uh, from a few years ago, there was a big freeze over in Greenwich. We had a big thing like in, in April or May. And people lost entire crops, you know. We heard about that. It happens all the time. But there, there's a certain level of responsibility that, that people that farm have. And also a certain level of anxiety. They, they, they plant. They watch. They see, what can we do? But ultimately, it's God who makes it grow. And this is what it looks like to walk with God in disciple-making. We can't control everything. But we have a bigger role than many times we realize in, in the work. Because again, sewing and watering, it's hard work. You know what else is hard work? Keeping track of those things we're sowing and thinking how can we cultivate them and help them to grow better. To really think to ourselves, what can I do in partnership with God to take care of this thing that he's doing? So God gives us seeds. Our seeds are everything we have as a person. 100% of us. Um, Everything we've learned as we've walked with God. The actual words of God found in the Bible or that he speaks to us. The seeds are the prayers that we pray. Uh, The seeds are our time. Time invested with uh, the people of God. Time invested with coworkers at your job who maybe do not know Jesus. Um, In fellowship, in, in game nights, the seeds are those relationships that, we, that we've been given. The seeds are the natural talents God has, God has given us to use. Uh, and many times people will take, make categories, this is ministry and this is just your job. But everything that people have a natural ability to do is worship to God. And just as glorifying to God as me being a pastor and talking in a church. If you are a craftsman, who's been given a gift to, to work with wood or some other materials and build wonderful things, that's just as significant of a ministry and just as glorifying to God as being a pastor, if that's what you're called to do. Uh, the, we also have spiritual gifts. God's given every believer in the church a spiritual gift for the edification of the body to make the body grow. These are all seeds that we have. So when we, when we think about, you know, what's in our seed bag, what are, we, what are we carrying around with us? It's everything. 100% of what we are. Our time, you know, the talents and our wealth, everything that we have. The issue in our day and maybe in this church is that we often don't think about ourselves as partners with God in this venture nearly as much as we, we should. We, we think we don't have very much to offer God and his kingdom in terms of sowing into others and into the world We think that what we have to sow, who we are, is not good enough, that's somehow defective and it wouldn't grow even if we planted it. We have these kind of thoughts, you know, why, why would I try, I don't have something good to give. And in the end we don't have expectation that our lives could make a significant difference uh, in the world, uh, let alone in God's kingdom on earth. That's how many of us feel about ourselves, very insecure about being a sower or, or having seeds. And we think, you know, maybe that's someone else's job because I don't have, I have sins, I have all these different problems. Let me tell you, God's taken all of that into account. God's taken all of that into account. It's, it's by grace we are saved. It's by grace that we sow in our, in, in, in our lives and invest. Everything is by grace. If somehow a person were disqualified from being a, a fellow laborer with God, as the Bible talks about, as co-laborers with Christ... That's about title the Bible gives us. If somehow that was dependent upon our performance or our morality, I would be disqualified. I'd be first in line to be disqualified. But God's, God's given everyone grace and forgiveness for their sins, and even in their imperfections, even in, in their wanderings, he still gives them ability to plant seeds along with them to cultivate them and to watch them grow. You have a lot to offer. Everyone does. You could have been walking with God for one week, taking one Baby step of faith. And there you have something to offer someone that's never heard about Jesus. The minute you take a step, you have something to offer. You have something valuable. And actually, you know, a lot of my inspiration in the past couple of years has come from people who are very new Christians. God's inspired me. He's shown me things through them, spoken to me through them. Even uh, everyone has something to offer. John Soper summed it up this past week in, 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 in our reading. And he said, and he was quoting someone else, but he said this, this phrase, you only inspect that which you expect. You only inspect the crops around you and what you're, what you're sowing if you expect there's going to be something there. If you don't really expect there's going to be fruitfulness in your life, you, don't, you, 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 you lack awareness because you don't even think about it. Because you think, how could God even use me? But when we, when we expect that even in our imperfection, God's going to be doing great things, and just a little bit of awareness and intentionality can go a long way, and, and, and we, we expect it, and we begin inspecting what he's doing, and trying to nurture him, nurture that growth uh, along with him. So today I'm hoping that the Word of God will raise your expectations of what God wants to do with your life. This week we are in 1 Thessalonians, and we're going to read the first chapter. It's only 10 verses, so it's a pretty manageable reading. And the points drawn from this passage were points that, that uh, Pastor Soper drew out of this passage for our Mission 119 readings. And I really just felt like God wanted me to hammer these things home uh, for us today. So read with me First Thessalonians chapter 1. Paul, Silas, and Timothy, to the Church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you, not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit, and so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it. For they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. So amazing thing about this passage that we just read there was only a three-week stint of ministry that Paul, Silas, and Timothy had in Thessalonica. Three weeks. That's all they had. They had fled Philippi, where there was a severe persecution people out to get them. They'd gone to Thessalonica. They'd, they'd sowed seeds for three weeks. Just three weeks. And then the Philippian people who had run them out of Philippi came and ran them out of Thessalonica, and also brought persecution on everyone who was following Jesus, newly fresh, fresh converts. And Paul says, we always thank God for you and mention in your prayers your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, endurance inspired by hope. You guys really got it in a short period of time. Paul was like, we sowed a bunch of seeds for three weeks and then we had to leave. And I've been wondering how the heck have you guys been doing? Now, what, what could have taken in such a short period of time? But Paul got this report that everyone in the region had been inspired by the faith of this people who were newly Christians, brand new Christians, and were under deep persecution. This is an amazing thing. And Paul highlights three different fruit uh, of, their, of these people who had come to know Christ so, um, so recently. And these are the things that Paul thinks exemplify what Christian growth and seeds growing looks like. Different from what we might think, but these are consistent themes for Paul in the New Testament. He says in verse 2, We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your works produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul commends the Christians in this church for faith, love, and hope. These are the three things that Paul thought were the most important fruit to grow in believers in the church. And this is, again, a consistent theme in the New Testament. Faith, hope, and love are things that Paul really really highlighted. God wants us to be a people of great faith, uh, great love, and great hope. when we we begin to abound in those qualities, we begin to be like Jesus and like the New Testament church that he started Um, John Soper pointed out in our readings this past week that we measure Christians and we measure fruit differently than Paul many times, we measure the fruit of a Christian by how much Bible knowledge someone has have they memorized the Bible are they part of a Bible study whatever it might be that's the mark of a mature Christian, we say. We, we measure people by what rules they keep or how much work they're doing in, in ministries in the church or whatever. Um, we measure people and, and size people up based on the experience they've had with God or the lack of experience they've had with God. But these are not the criteria of what Paul says make a, a solid, fruitful Christian. Paul says, do you believe the promises of God? Faith. Do you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself? Love. And do you have your eyes fixed firmly on the return of Jesus Christ and the kingdom that he brings? That's our hope for the future. These are the true standards by which we measure fruitfulness and maturity. And these are the things we should be looking for in the church. I hope that that, you know, in some ways, as you look at your own life, and as, you, as, and as you evaluate yourself and you say, well, I'm not a good Christian because I don't nearly read the Bible enough. I, I, I don't do enough. I don't give enough. Put all that aside. Paul says the criteria for a fruitful Christian is faith, hope, and love. Simple things that both brand new believers and seasoned followers of Christ, we all have to constantly be growing in these things. So I hope you can see uh, you have good seeds in you. <laughs> these are the criteria, faith, hope, and love. And then then finally, Paul leaves us this valuable model for how we are to sow these seeds of faith, hope, and love in the people around us. He says this, You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. So in verse 5, Paul says, you know how we lived among you for your sake. Paul and his companions uh, lived among this Thessalonian church for three weeks with putting on display, not doing something fake, but putting on display the truth of what it means to be a follower of Christ, modeling faith, hope, and love, and preaching these things during that three-week period. Um, for their sake, and for this short period of time they had, they really put those things on display. Another part of the Bible, in First Corinthians 11:1, Paul makes this, the claim, "Follow me as I follow Christ." And this really speaks of the intentionality of Paul in sowing seeds. You now for Paul and his fellow leaders in this Thessalonian church, uh, they, they on purpose, modeled Christ, modeled faith, hope and love for these people so that they could confidently say, follow me as I follow Christ. That's kind of a big deal. And most of us would feel, again with our insecurities, intimidated to tell someone, follow me as I follow Christ. I'd like to remind you, Paul was a sinner. He got things wrong. He wasn't Jesus. He felt confident telling people, follow me as I follow Christ, because he knew that it's by grace that we plant seeds, it's by grace that we disciple other people, and that God is ultimately the one that makes things grow. And so we take what we have and we highlight the things that we should. Uh, we try to walk as closely with Jesus as we can. And Christianity gets caught by those around us. Faith, hope, and love. The benchmarks of Christianity. Uh, it's more caught than taught. You know, how we uh, effectively share or shape another person's life is in accordance with our investment in them. So they lived, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, intentionally. For the, for the people's sake in Thessalonica. And then it says, You became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. So the next step in this sowing process was they became imitators of Paul during that week and, and his companions over that very short period of time. And they, they, they continued in that imitation And because they were imitating the actual work of the Lord in Paul, Silas, and Timothy, again, imperfect disciples, because they were, God was making those seeds grow, they became then the final step uh, you read here. And so you became a model to all the believers in the surrounding area, in Macedonia and Achaia. And all, and and the faith in God that they had has become known everywhere. The the Thessalonian believers, uh, through simply imitating Paul and his companions, ended up becoming a model even in their very young faith and in their imperfections to an entire region uh, which is absolutely mind-blowing. So Paul is really excited because all he's been trying to show these people and to sow into them has paid off. It's been, it's, 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 it's made a huge difference. And so as we, as we go into to thinking about how to apply this kind of thinking to our lives, because obviously, obviously this is very practical uh, teaching. Like I said before, we are trying to raise our awareness of what we're actually doing to say, I'm going to intentionally sow some seeds in certain people where God is guiding me or in certain areas, and I'm going to keep track of those things because I expect that God's going to do something in those things. So we raise our awareness. And we also raise our awareness of the seeds we planted that are growing that we weren't aware of, like that rogue watermelon. Um, and we say, you know, God, I see that in a place I didn't expect there's seeds growing. I'm going to tend that too. I'm going to go back to that, and I'm going to expect you to do things. So the, the first point of, of application for this sermon is simply allow people into your life. And this is not a biblical concept, but I think, you know, we talked about tithing as far as uh, finances last week. But what if we tied our free time to God? You know? And I did a little bit of math. If we, if we work 10 hours a week, let's say it's 8-hour day, 2 hours of commuting, maybe more. 8 hours of sleep, 3 hours, family time, whatever. This is kind of funny, but uh, there's like 3 hours, 2 or 3 hours a day that we have of like free, free time. And for some of us, less. So this is not like math. But what if we just decided that we were going to all, if you do all the math, it comes down to about an hour, maybe an hour and a half a week that people have uh, to, to invest in other things. What if we took our time in a week and said, God, I want to invest an hour of my personal free time in intentionally sowing into another person, another Christian, another relationship, just to see what God will do. Say, I'm going to meet with this person. We're going to just do life on life. And I'm going to have this mindset, you know, that I am exemplifying faith, hope, and love for this person and that they can learn to follow Christ just through meeting with me. Now, what if we tithed our time? The, the bigger question is, who are you intentionally sowing your life into? You know, who are, what people around you, life on life, are you trying to build relationship with? Um, to model the values and actions of Christianity with them um, so they begin to imitate you. So you, be, you, you become a Christian, you, you take some steps in faith, and then you say, you know, behind me, who is that person behind, that is maybe just a couple steps behind me that I could disciple and bring into a deeper relationship with God? And with a discipleship partner of mine, we were reading through a book together, and this book talks about the effectiveness of like one person's ministry versus if everyone discipled someone. And it's exponential. If everyone in the church, you know, Thought here's one person that I could disciple and meet with, the 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 growth and the maturity of the body would just explode, you know, whereas one person or or just a few people trying to disciple multiple people, it just doesn't. It's not the model God's calling us to, and it's not the way it works, you know. God's called each of us to sow into other people. Someone is, um, you, you know. The the news is, if you're if you're a believer, there is someone watching you already. There is someone. Who is uh, following you right now, and you're just not aware of it? Whether it's a coworker or one of your kids, someone who knows Christ who doesn't know Christ, you are already doing this. But this is taking a turn to intentionality and saying, "God, who 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 is watching me? Who who would I have an affinity with that I could that I could meet with and disciple, even if it's just friendly over coffee, not not you know, not this top-down thing, but just encouraging to grow in Jesus." You know, what kind of stuff is growing in my garden that I'm not even aware of? Who is that person? Allow people into your life and pray to God to show you uh, who he wants you to invest some of that time in. And the second application is, you know, who is investing in your life? If you feel like you haven't grown in your faith, if you feel like you're stunted in your development as a Christian, you don't know where to go next, you know, lots of times that's because we have not, found someone who's a few steps ahead of us who can show us the way and this is the, the the model of the bible jesus you know though he was god in the flesh he chose 12 people and he just life on life discipled them caught Co- you know not coffee but you know meals uh maybe they had coffee i don't know they had they had meals together they did ministry together they sat around campfires together they they camped together they did all kinds of stuff together and He was investing in those people and they were benefiting from him. But for you, you know, who's investing in your life? You know, is there someone around you that you could say, God, you know, should I ask this person to, to meet with me and to help me through some things? Because those kind of relationships yield fruit because then the person knows you. They know your struggles. They know maybe some of the things you're thinking and they can give you valuable feedback. And they can also... Um, hold you accountable to grow you know if you're if you're struggling in something and you can't seem to get free from it and it's really wrecking your life and wrecking your relationship with god you know that person can lovingly help you get through that by being someone that you can call text just talk through things with that are getting in your way as a disciple so who is investing in you many times many times the reason that we're not growing is because we are not um, we don't have anyone that we're following and so we're just sort of on our own becoming increasingly isolated and feeling, um, feeling like our struggles have overcome us and that we can't grow. But the reality is it's time to reach out to somebody who's a few steps ahead of you and seek to disciple someone. So as, as the worship team comes this morning, you know, this is, a, this is a very practical teaching. God wants to see his church grow in faith, hope, and love. Those are the criteria that God has for our growth. Uh, any of the criterion that we have, we can throw out the window. God does this through life on life, um, growing through us following Jesus, and then providing an example for other people to imitate, and then turning around and becoming an example for other people. And God wants us to do this, uh, this kind of work, this kind of discipleship, this kind of sowing, with greater intentionality. To say, you know, God, where are you already working? Um, what's already growing in my garden, and how can I come underneath it. And then to say, God, you know, what is the new work that you want to do that I'm not seeing? So as as we uh, sing this song, just present yourself to God and think about how this uh, scripture applies to you and what God's calling you to do coming out of it. As we're standing here, I'd like you to close your eyes. And I would like you to imagine in your mind's eye someone who sowed into your life For each of us, there's a person or a couple people, and they are the reason that we're here. They're the reason we're following Jesus. They're the reason we're still in the faith after a very difficult season that we went through. Think of those people. Maybe they're your parents. Maybe it's someone from college. Maybe it's someone in this church body. God is calling you to be that person to somebody else. We need each other. We need each other. We cannot cannot have a personal relationship with Jesus. We need a corporate relationship with Jesus. We need other people to help us to grow in faith, in hope, in love, life on life, through good times and bad. Heavenly Father, may we be those people um, who make the difference in each other's lives. We don't know where you're calling us to sow what you've given us. But we do know that you are faithful and that you are the one that makes it grow anyway. So we, give, we offer ourselves to you um, in partnership with the Holy Spirit to begin to sow seeds be used of you that your work might expand far beyond this place into this world full of people that you love and gave your own life for we lift ourselves uh, before your throne and we ask you to make it so in our lives And pray all these things in Jesus name Amen you are dismissed